Welcome to the Real Life Arizona podcast, the latest sermons from the Sunday worship gatherings of Real Life Ministries Arizona, delivered weekly right here. Let's get to this week's message. Jasmine, good job. Recovering from that bomb I dropped right before a glorious day. It wasn't what I intended to uh, share this morning, but uh, yeah, I just... I've lived too long to come up here and ignore something that's real and share something that uh, doesn't feel real. So that's that's just what you get from me, <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah. So it's always helpful for me to be able to take a little bit of time and step back. And, and be reminded of what's important and why we do what we do and, and what this is all about. Because um, it's, it's really easy for me to get sidetracked on the things that really don't matter and to think that they're really important and to forget about the things that are actually important. So that's been part of this uh, process as well. Um, but we are continuing our series in Second in Peter this week called Fall Proof Your Faith. Uh, it's a passage that I first came about many years ago while I was still in Tucson. I um, actually preached on this passage in a church down there and thought, boy, that was a lot to cover in one week. Wouldn't it be great someday to go back and look at all these different things that Peter is encouraging us, exhorting us, begging and pleading with us to add to our faith so that our faith can have the outcome that we desire, so that our lives can be the life, consist of the kind of life that we want to experience. And I, and I, think, I think that's just the thing, is that we all have a picture of the kind of life that we want to experience. And, and I don't mean, you know, dream vacations and, and, and dream... Dream whatever, fill in, fill in the blank, you know, you're probably on Instagram. <laughs> You've seen YouTube. Um, I'm, I'm not talking about those things, I'm talking about the things that really matter. Um, relationships, and life, and, and peace, and finding wholeness in this world. Uh, we, we all have a picture of the life that we want to experience. And generally speaking, there, there is a way of life that leads to those things. And conversely, there's, there's a way of life that leads very far away from those things to very different outcomes. Instead of peace and life and wholeness, there's, there's also a, a way of life uh, that leads to conflict and struggle and, and, continuing, and continual brokenness in oneself and and in others, and uh, you know, we've probably all seen it. If you haven't, just hang around long enough, um, and you will. But 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 you probably chances are you probably know someone who who just by their demeanor and the choices that they make, you, you know that they are creating conflict and brokenness, and and so often leaving a wake of broken people in their path. Um, and, and on the other hand, you also know, hopefully, you've, you've seen the opposite, and, and you've seen people whose life 
and whose manner of life is life-giving to others, whose, whose, whose way of, of going about what they do is, is a balm and an encouragement uh, to others. It's a, it's a life-giving life. Um, and, and more often than not, what makes the difference between those two ways of life uh, is, is patterns of thinking and behaving and, and feeling. But so often we, we miss the connection between that, that life that is out there ahead of us and, and the choices that we make today. <laughs> the small choices uh, that we make every day, uh, our habits and our patterns of behavior, we, we miss the connection between those daily things and, and the life that's out there that we are hoping to arrive at at some point in time. Uh, several years ago, I, I read this book called The Principle of the Path, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. Uh, and it's written by Andy Stanley, a pastor in uh, the Atlanta area. And I, and I love the book because he, he compares life and the decisions that we make um, to a road map and a road trip. Uh, and one of the things that he says in this book is he says, I always end up where the road I've chosen takes me. I always end up where the road I've chosen takes me. And this principle is true in virtually every area of life. That, that the path that you are currently on leads to a particular destination. And that you can't stay on that path which leads to a particular destination and expect to end up somewhere else. <laughs> you are on a path that leads to a particular place and it, and it holds true in virtually every area of life. It holds true spiritually. It, it holds true relationally and it holds true financially. That the current direction that you are traveling will determine where you eventually end up. Now the good news is that there are other roads available. <laughs> and that's that's why it's important to remember that it's the road that you are currently on. Uh, and so life gives us opportunities for off-ramps uh, to take a different direction. And in some ways, uh, going through this series contains some of those on-ramps or off-ramps where Peter is inviting us, encouraging us, begging with us to add some things to our life, to see the importance of some of these characters and virtues uh, and their impact on where we end up both spiritually and relationally. And so we're going to continue in 2 Peter chapter 1 uh, this week. Um, I guess it's technically week 4 in our, in our study. Uh, but we're going to read starting in verse 3 of 2 Peter 1. And Peter writes this, he says, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That, that God has given us everything we need for this thing that we so desire, which is life, true life. And he's given it to us through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, you may become 
partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. We talked about that uh, in the second week, this idea of virtue or moral excellence. And supplement virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Four, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, verse 10, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. This week we're going to look, take a look at two virtues or characteristics in this list. Self-control and steadfastness. They're kind of two sides of the same coin. And that's why we're going to take a look at them together this week. When you think about self-control, what comes to mind? How would you define self-control if someone asked you to define it? You know, we often think, or to use an I statement, uh, I often think of self-control as the ability to keep myself from saying what I really want to say. <laughs> Or to keep myself from doing what I really want to do. Even though it may be the thing I really don't want to do. But, but when I think of self-control, I often think of stopping myself. Keeping, preventing myself from saying or doing something. And self-control is that. But, but the type of self-control that, that Peter is talking about, the type of self-control that that scripture calls us to goes beyond just words and actions. But it's actually a call. It's, it's an empowerment to master the emotions and the thoughts and the impulses and the desires that arise within us. Not to master just that which surfaces on the outside, but also that which brews within us on the inside. Uh, to possess self-control uh, is to possess power over that which is within. Uh, so when you think of self-control, uh, I want you to think about this power over that which is within. Because that's going to help us see how steadfastness is the other side of the same coin. Steadfastness is, is similar to self-control in some ways, uh, but yet different. So, or steadfastness may be defined as the capacity to hold out or bear up 
in the face of difficulty. Synonyms for steadfastness include patience, endurance, fortitude, perseverance. To possess steadfastness in a very real sense is is to possess power over the influence of that which is without. (laughs) So so whereas self-control is power over that which arises from within, steadfastness through the Holy Spirit is power over those things that are outside of us, those things which are without. Uh, and, and in all of these characteristics, in all of these virtues, I want us to be thinking about uh, how they all work together, to be thinking in terms of, of the whole passage, about the importance not only of faith and moral excellence and knowledge, but, but how these things work together and intertwine. Peter reminds us that that we begin with faith and then we build upon that faith with other virtues. And and the end goal that Peter has in mind, that that life out there that he desires for us, is a life that's characterized by the love of God. Uh, It's a life that's characterized by love that flows into us from God and out to others uh, through him. Uh, Peter tells us it's it's this life characterized by love. It's, It's a life that bears fruit. It's a life in which we never fall from grace. So how do these virtues, self-control, which is power over that which is within, and steadfastness, which is power over that which is without, how do they contribute to a life characterized by love? Well, how about self-control? How does self-control contribute to a life characterized by love? It almost becomes self-evident, doesn't doesn't it? (laughs) The importance of self-control. Love is relational. Uh, We are relational. If you're going to be in relationship with others, if you're ever going to leave your room, uh, you you will need to possess self-control. As one author put it, Successful fellowship and ministry among Christians happens only when human reactions are under control. Imagine trying to experience relationship or fellowship or community with people if if everyone said everything that came to their mind. (laughs) Or even if everyone accepted everything that came to their mind. Uh, If there was no monitoring of thoughts or feelings or emotions or impulses, how could fellowship, friendship, community even be possible? So it's not just our mouth that can get us in trouble. But scripture reminds us that it's our heart as well. In Matthew chapter 15, uh, Jesus addressing the Pharisees and their legalistic approach to life and faith. He reminds them that it's, it's what comes out of the mouth that proceeds from the heart. He says what comes, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Jesus is calling us to guard our hearts, to to monitor our hearts, to pay attention to that 
inner life within. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul, uh, very much aware of this, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, reminds us of the importance of taking every thought captive. Uh, Not to accept every thought or emotion or impulse that comes to our minds, that comes to our hearts, but that to take them captive, to, to hold them up to the light of Christ and evaluate them in that light. Is what I am thinking right? Is it fair? Is it honorable? Is it who I want to be? Does this align with the character and nature of God and who he is calling me to become? The journey of a disciple is an, is an ongoing journey. It's kind of easy for me to mark how long I've been on this journey because all I have to do is look at Elizabeth. Uh, because the Lord... <laughs> no, not because she's made the journey long. Um, <clears throat> but because the Lord got a hold of me right before she was born. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that. And so anytime I need to think about... How long has the Lord been working on me? Like, I know I'm a long-term project, but exactly how long of a long-term project am I? We're all long-term projects. And and gratefully, God is a God of steadfastness. (laughs) He is a God of steadfast love to endure the journey with us so patiently and so graciously And he continues to teach us. He continues to teach me new things. Uh, And so some of you know, as as we were in this latest pause from our Sunday morning gatherings, uh, Heather and I had a chance to sneak up to Sedona for a couple of days um, and and enjoy a day of solitude. And I I started a book while we were up there called by Henry Nouwen called The Way of the Heart. And um, I dare you to read it. I sent it to a friend after I finished the first section. He's like, yeah, that book's going to kick your butt. I'm like, yeah, it, it's already started. But as, as I was reading through this first section on solitude, um, the author writes this. He says, the two main enemies of the spiritual life are anger and greed. The two main enemies of the spiritual life are anger and greed. And... Um, And pride must fit into one of those. I'm not sure which one. um, Because if I'm completely honest, I read Anger and Greed and I was like, okay, I think I'm good. Like, I'm not sure I need this chapter. Um, but, But as I continued reading on, I think I finally experienced for the first time what what those listening to Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount experienced when he told them that to be angry with your brother meant that you were guilty of murder. And that to look at a woman with lustful intent meant that you were guilty of adultery. It was this shocking moment where they they realized that it wasn't just their actions and their words that mattered, but what was going on in their heart. And I... don't, Don't answer this question out loud, but... When you think of me, do you think of me as an angry person? 
Okay, you guys got good poker faces. <laughs> no, good poker faces. <laughs> But as this friend and author helped me redefine anger, I realized that, that anger isn't just <laughs> that which comes out, but there's also these subtle areas of anger. And, and I just began, it was like my eyes were opened to this new reality. And, and this new reality where I needed to begin to exercise new levels and new forms of self-control as God showed me areas. And, and, and I just shared it with my wife. Good move, bad move. Depends on the moment. <laughs> but now she gets to ask me all the time, ooh, anger? Because she knows, and I, and I know, and I'm like, wow, I never would have thought that I was an angry person. But now that I've come to understand the ways that anger works, <laughs> and the way that it works so subtly, and not only that, but the impacts that it has in our relationships with others, and, and, and how anger causes us to shut them off, or push them away, or, or and, and inevitably causes them to become, uh, become what we have determined them to be because we've now closed ourselves off uh, to them and, and shut off the life that we have to offer. Uh, we are robbing them. I am robbing them because of subtle, nearly invisible anger. But, but this is the nature of self-control, is, is that God wants us to become continually more and more aware of the inner life, of the inner things that are affecting us, of the things that quietly, subtly dwell in our hearts so that more and more we can be changed and transformed and like Him. And, and so we, we grow in self-control by means of the Holy Spirit, by means of our daily walk with Him so that He can show us and reveal us uh, things that we are not aware of through His presence, through His goodness. And we can also grow in self-control by, by adding tools to our toolbox uh, to, to become better able uh, to manage situations, to learn from the past. Uh, and I think that's one of the places where taking thoughts captive comes into play as we become aware of that inner life, how we deal with those things and, and bring them to the light. <clears throat> self-control. We all need it. It cracks me up sometimes um, because even, even Obi has some tools in his toolbox to, to manage self-control. You know, when it, whenever you see a soccer ball that's chewed in half, um, that's Obi managing self-control. Right? He's, he's taking it out on the soccer ball instead of someone real. Um, he's, when, when I... When I go and I, and I hug Heather and I, I give her a big bear hug or I pick her up or whatever and he's all, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't like that. He's very protective of her. And I, and I tell him no. More often than not, what he does is he moves a little ways away and then he looks in the opposite direction so that he doesn't have to see it. <laughs> Why? It's a tool in his toolbox, right? <laughs> he knows if he's looking at what's happening, 
it's going to be very difficult to control himself. But he just pretends like he doesn't see it. It's much easier for him. If a dog can learn self-control, uh, I think we can too. Uh, if there's hope for him, there's hope for me. Uh, and so self-control, power, and you know, it begins with an awareness of that which is within. I think before we can exercise power over it through the Holy Spirit, through the ways that he equips us in wisdom and in our life, uh, it begins with an awareness of what is within and a desire for it to be molded more and more by Christ. Uh, let's jump back to steadfastness real quick. A steadfastness, again, is this capacity to hold out or to bear up in the face of difficulty. Patience, endurance, perseverance are another word for steadfastness. I like what some guy named Vincent said, I think it's his last name, I'll have to go back and, and find out, but a really old guy quoted him, so I assume he's even older than the really old guy, um, but this is what he said, he said, steadfast is not merely endurance of the inevitable, though it is that, but I love this picture, he says it's also the heroic, brave patience with which a Christian not only bears but contends. Hmm. So, so it's a brave patience in which we as believers, empowered through the Holy Spirit, not only bear up under the difficulty and the weight of something, but that through the Holy Spirit we possess this resolve not only to bear it, but to contend against it. That we are not willing to simply resign ourselves to the suffering, but that we are willing to push through the suffering to what we know lies beyond it, which is hope, <laughs> which is joy. Uh, the, the steadfastness resists the urge to quit and to collapse and, and pushes towards endurance and perseverance. While self-control allows us to live from the person that we really are. Because when I respond from a lack of self-control, that's, that's not who I am. <laughs> it's not who I long to be. Paul would tell us, that's, that's my flesh. Right? But it's my spirit that agrees with God. The spirit is, is who I am. But I'm, I'm labored and attached to this flesh. Um, and so self-control allows, self allows us to live from the person that we really are. And steadfastness keeps us on track to become the person we are not yet. Think of, think of how many times, and, and it'll vary by how old you are, but how many times you had a reason to quit? How many times in your journey of faith you had a reason, and a good one, to give up or to walk away? steadfastness is that resolve to not only bear up and to bear under but to contend knowing that God is not only within you but 
beside you and behind you and that he will bring you through. Romans 5.3 reminds us of the importance of steadfastness. In Romans 5.3, it's translated endurance. It happens to be one of Mario's favorite verses um, because he encountered suffering quite quickly after coming to faith. Uh, but Paul tells us in Romans 5.3, we also rejoice in our sufferings. And, and watch this process that he lays out. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Suffering creates and builds something in us, which is steadfastness. Right? Without suffering, we will not possess endurance or perseverance or steadfastness. It's, it's created by suffering as we not only bear under but contend. And then endurance turns and results in character. That suffering produces endurance, and, and endurance turns and it produces character in our lives. And, and, and that character, by means of endurance and suffering, produces hope. Why? Why? Why hope? Because we've come through. <laughs> and in some cases, we've come through something we thought we would never come through. And God is at work in it all. And so Peter, knowing his life, knowing his walk with the Lord and the, and the things that he encountered and the things that he endured, he tells us, he, he begs us, he pleads with us to understand the importance not only of self-control and the power over that which is within, but, but the need for steadfastness. If God is going to produce in us what he longs to produce, if we are to become what he has created and destined us to become. We will need endurance. We will need this steadfastness that only God can give us. And you might remember that Peter, in this list of virtues and characteristics, he says, if these are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being unfruitful. They keep you from being unfruitful. So, so it's no surprise that when we look at Luke chapter 8 and the, and the parable of the soils, that, that when we get to the good soil, Jesus tells us that the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with what? Steadfastness. Endurance perseverance, that, that if we are going to live fruitful lives, if we are going to bear fruit for the kingdom, if our lives are going to be the kind of blessing and balm and healing, this life-giving life to other people, it will only come through perseverance. It can only come through Perseverance, steadfastness, bearing under and contending against opposition. And so we see 
but self-control and steadfastness. They work in tandem. That one is this power over that which is within, and the other is power over that which is without. That self-control allows us to live from the person we really are, day-to-day, relationally, spiritually. And steadfastness keeps us on track to become the person that we are not yet. Andy Stanley, in that book that I mentioned earlier, says this. It's a good reminder for me. He says, we don't drift in good directions. We just don't. You don't drift in good directions. We discipline and prioritize ourselves to those places. It's the principle of the path. To get from where you are to where you want to be is not the result of drift. It's a result of what Peter calls us to. To make every effort. To to be sure that these qualities, that not only we possess them and we check a box, but that they are increasing in us. That we are pursuing them in such a way that we are growing and bearing fruit. And that we continue to be diligent in our faith. It's in our daily walk with the Lord. Our daily decisions and disciplines that determine the life we will live. A life of peace and life and wholeness comes through. A life that begins with faith but adds self-control and steadfastness for those inevitable setbacks, challenges, and difficulties of life. It's in our knowledge of Him as we grow in that knowledge, as we trust Him more and entrust more of ourselves to Him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for this morning it's good to be together it's good to worship to lift our voices to lift our hearts to pray and reflect to be reminded of all that you have done for us and for all who call upon your name God give us the grace to continue in our efforts to build upon our faith. Lord, may your Holy Spirit produce these things in us as we seek you and your presence. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Real Life Arizona is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. For more information about Real Life, please visit our website at reallifearizona.com or email us at info at May God richly bless you.